You're listening to the Beginning of Wisdom podcast with Andrew Schumacher. Beginning of Wisdom seeks to engage in theology and apologetics in the sight of God. You can learn more at beginningwisdom.org. the beginning of Wisdom Live. I'm Andrew Schumacher. Is this real life? Are we really here? Yeah, we're really here. Uh. <laughs> Hello and good evening, saints. Yeah, that's, yes, we are together and we are excited to have the show. It happened only uh, about 20 minutes late uh, getting here. Um, Oh, we're, uh, let me know if you guys are experiencing any buffering. It looks, YouTube's giving me a little error message saying they're not getting enough. Okay. Always a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, hopefully that improves here in a minute. All right. So we are going to jump in, and I'm going to try to keep an eye, a little one eye on the chat, see how things are going. But um, but yeah, we're going to jump into today's topic. So uh, if uh, so, if you were here a few weeks back um, before all this stuff happened with showing that Paul's really an apostle, <laughs> I talked about a series that we we're going to be starting about just what is the biblical Christian position on the law, um, on the law of Moses, uh, law in the Old Testament, all of that. So um, that's what we're starting today. Uh, I Just a fair warning, I don't know for sure this, this series will just plow through uh, or if we might, um, you know, jump into other Back topics and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely have a a pretty good outline going forward for what what I'm planning on doing, and hopefully, uh, yeah, hopefully everything works out with that. And uh, um, sweetheart, can you uh, tell them uh, tell them what they should do if they're on the YouTube? And I also want to check your levels, so I want you to talk. <laughs> hey guys, let me know how my audio is. content you like and sharing really does help other uh, future apologists <laughs> saints or uh, future saints to find the information yeah okay it looks like we were having some issues there but I got you I think dialed in a little better all right so so yeah we are going to talk tonight about the law and what I've done is you know, if you if you've been watching the show for a while, you know that I spent a lot of time talking about you know various teachers and 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 why they're wrong, going over specific passages of scripture, you know, 
demonstrating the the truth and why it doesn't match up with what they're saying. And um, I have done, I did a series on the gospel, uh, which, um, and where we did a deep dive through Galatians and Romans and talked about how that, you know, drew that from scripture and, and all of that. So um, today what I'm going to be doing is uh, beginning to talk about the law itself. So the thing about the law um, is that in, in a lot of Christian circles, we just don't have a very clear teaching on, on what is our relationship to the law of Moses. Um, there are some, and I've talked about this a little bit in the past, you know, there are some who, who just kind of make a blanket statement, you know, that, oh, you know, the law is done away with or the law is um, fulfilled in Christ. And, and they just kind of let that cover everything. Uh, but there's not a lot of specifics on, on what exactly that means. Um, then you have some, um, mainly those in sort of the theonomist camp who, who really talk about the law, but they're talking about it as, you know, they're not just talking about it in a purely positive presentation of what they believe, you know, reading the Torah and stuff. What they're doing is they're saying, okay, here's what we believe in contrast to sort of the general, you know, in some senses, antinomian, you know, law, you know, sort of law-free way that, that a lot of, uh, of Christians live um, and, and, and believe. And, and so you've got, and, and that's, that's all fine, but it, it again doesn't really get to the heart of it. You know, it's just sort of like, hey, yeah, we should we should care about what the law says. And 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 that's and that's sort of the thrust of, of the argument. But then it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But why, you know, let's get into the specifics. You know, why do you believe this is something we should be, you know, doing today? And why do you believe this other thing is is not something we should be doing today? Um you know, that doesn't fall into that same, you know, same category. So what this series is going to do is, is really say why on, on all that. We're, we're going to get into the specifics. You know, I, I don't know if we'll touch on every, you know, all 613 or so laws that are in there, but we're definitely going to cover a lot of them and we're going to cover and we're going to, look at the scriptures themselves and get the, you know, what they say about themselves. Um, and, and that's where we're going to do thing, do this. So what this show, what this episode today is going to be about is really just um, laying the groundwork and we'll go over some passages uh, to lay that groundwork, but um, future episodes will be the specifics, uh, you know, uh, more of the specifics, but I mean, you'll get plenty of specifics today that there's no question. So what I'm going to do is uh, kind of, I've got some things to show you here um, so you can visualize what I'm, what I'm saying as well. So the first thing I want to establish, because, because I, I see this series as, as addressing two groups of people. One group is the, those who are in the Torah observance, Hebrew roots type movement who say, you know, we should keep the whole law you know, everything in it is, is 
binding on us exactly the same way as it was binding on the ancient Israelite. The only thing that keeps us from doing everything is what we just cannot physically do because of one or another impedance that, you know, that isn't just ourselves, you know, like, like doing sacrifices in the temple, that kind of stuff. Um, but then, uh, the other group that I want to talk to are Christians who have a, a view of the law and, and this could, and it could be a wide, you know, they might characterize themselves in different ways, but Christians who believe that o- obedience to God that, you know, in, in, it, you know, maybe even just in a general sense is important that we, not that we're saved by our works, of course, but that we, we, sh- we should be obeying God, that we don't just, you know, say a prayer, get saved, and then nothing changes in our life, and, and we think that that's really salvation. Now, if you're, if you're that person, if you think, yeah, because you said a prayer, you know, sometime in the past, you can now live any life you want, up to and including rejecting Christ, oh, and, and you're still mad. saved. Mm-hmm. You don't have to follow. You don't have to follow. Yeah. Anything without the gospel. Mm-hmm. The gospel. Of legalism and, and all you know, that. Yeah. Have, have... Um, yeah, and uh, one second. I just, I just realized something. I messed up here i'm having some some technical issues i need to add but yeah i've actually you know if anybody says anything in a call to repentance about any situation in life Mm -hmm. anything that you could have a sin about uh christians well-meaning will accuse you of bickering or not focusing on the gospel and really you can't really have jesus without john the baptist like they go hand in hand Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i'm i'm not really speaking to those those folks um i'm talking to people who care about what is it that we should be doing to Mm -hmm. obey god and how do we know what we should be doing so that's what this is going to be about and hopefully uh, yeah, hopefully it blesses you. They can't hear me at all. They yeah, they couldn't. When I switched, I, I got you back in there now. I, it was in a weird. Well, one place minute where I lost ago, you. I got a comment from Audrey. Yeah, and I I saw it. Okay, I saw it. When Let us did. know if it fixed. <laughs> all right, and I'm just gonna jump through here real quick and make sure. All right, seeing weird stuff flashing on your screen. I'm just checking everything to make sure Nikki's still there. Dude, I watched right. a way bigger podcast today than us, and they had worse audio issues. And I was like, I'm not the only one. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. So let's jump into this. The first thing I want to do, and this is this kind of goes to addressing that second, addressing Christians, non-Hebrew Roots Torah observant folks. And that is to talk about really what I see as four positions on the law for, or, or things that people say who believe we should obey God, mm-hmm. what, what do they often say? And, and I think I've probably seen all these positions in my, in my church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Within the same congregation. 
Yeah. So, yeah. So the um, so the first one here, as it says, some Christians say the whole law is done away with in Christ and replaced with the law of Christ and faith. So that's you know, it's pretty simple position. Um, it is it's just saying, look, the the whole law had to do with the covenant through Moses. Now we're in covenant with Christ. It's a whole separate set of things we need to obey. Um, there's some overlap, of course, but this is, you know, it's it's a whole new deal now than what it was. That was temporary. Now we're in a, a new thing. Um, second position is some Christians say the law of Moses is still binding in principle, but the work of Christ in bringing in the kingdom of God has altered somewhat how we approach the law. So this position really sees a, a continuity that, hey, if it's in the law of Moses, we should generally see it as binding unless we see something in the New Testament that points us to a different way of looking at that law, that kind of thing. So they kind of come at it from the other end. And we've talked about this as, you know, people who are theonomists would fall in this camp, though not everyone who falls in this camp would necessarily call themselves a theonomist. But uh, the third position I'm aware of is, this is the Torah, Hebrew roots folks, uh, generally speaking, most of the Torah movement generally, Hebrew roots movement in particular, believe all the law applies to all people at all times is and is only limited in terms of what you're lawfully able to do. Um, so if if you have to break the law in order to fulfill it, such as, you know, offering sacrifices when you're not a priest, that kind of thing, then you, you can't do it. But in principle, it's still binding all of it. Um, that's the third position. The fourth position I've is one I haven't run into a ton of people, but I have run into some. Uh, some who who I've talked in the comments uh, on these videos with, uh, and that is uh, some who may or may not see themselves uh, in the in that Torah, Torah movement, Messianic Hebrews movement. They think the law is for Israel, and as such, for all physical descendants of the Israelites in perpetuity, but not for the Gentiles. They have separate commands. So this fourth group really does see sees a difference in in group people groups. If you're part of the people group that's descended from Israel, you do need to to follow the Torah. If you're not, then you don't. And and they're just they're separate groups and that's uh that's a fourth position I'm aware of. So um the thing I want to say about these these four positions as we you know and and, and there you know you could get nitpicky and find you know kind of subdivide them and things like that but um here's the thing i bring up these four positions you know not so much to talk about all of them in, in any great detail but because i want to say that um when it comes to number one and two i know a lot of people in these groups would probably disagree but i oh, believe yeah. I believe there's no ultimate theological difference between one and two. Mm -hmm. I think they're both, as far as the underlying theology, um, I think they're the same. Now, if you identify more with one or two, that's going that might change your application and how you see, you know, ways we should apply the law and things like that. But in, in principle, the underlying theology really isn't different. You know, I've, you know, uh, they're, they're a thoughtful 
So, um, you've really helped me to see that. I think this whole experience with the Hebrew helped me to clarify this and mm-hmm. also have grace for others who yeah. are kind of on that journey to figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> that journey. <laughs> I, hate, right. I hate that esotericism. It comes out of all of us sometimes. <laughs> it does. It does. So to give you an idea, um, just to give a couple examples to help you understand what I mean by this. Um, you know, there are Christians who believe, you know, there, there are differences of belief regarding, for example, the Sabbath. Um, there are Christians who believe that um, God moved the Sabbath to Sunday. And now, you know, the first day of the week is the new Sabbath, the Christian Sabbath. Nothing has really changed except for the day. We're still supposed to rest, you know, all of that, you know, has just shifted in terms of the day. There are Christians and who believe, they believe that. this by making some logical jumps that do make sense, but there's not like a verse that's like, thou shalt now worship on Sunday, thus saith right. the Lord. Right, right. Um, and uh, if, as, if you've listened to my position on this and, and a lot of others, uh, there are Christians who believe that the Sabbath is because of the way it was fulfilled in Christ, because of what it symbolized, it symbolized rest from works there. And, and Jesus is our rest from our works that, um, that now the way that we keep the Sabbath in terms of actually fulfilling that command is by having faith in Christ and resting in him. So there's, there's these two different positions and, and those definitely are not in agreement. Um, and there are people I really respect in both yeah, camps. Totally. Um, but what I would say is that, you know, in the first, in these first two positions, I, I know of people who are, who would identify with both one and two on both sides of this, this sort of Sabbath question, you know, both of those positions I laid out. People who believe, who say one, that, you know, it's all about the law of Christ now, who are, you know, first day of the week Sabbatarians, and people who say, yeah, number one is right, who believe Jesus is the Sabbath and there's no no longer a command regarding a specific day. And then and same with with number two, people who who identify with number two, who also <laughs> on both sides of those. And that's because the underlying theology is the same. The underlying theology is simply that the the law of Moses is important. It we should look to it to understand who God is, but when we read it in light of the entire Bible, we conclude certain you know that it's not all you know it's not all to be applied in exactly the same way as it applied to Israel. It's it's pretty much that's why I think it really does come down to the same position um, in, in the final analysis. It's, it's the same ultimate theology. And uh, so I say all that to basically establish that if whether you're coming from a place where you think, you know, you think, yes, you know, as we get into the details, um, I might say something that, that a law has, has been changed in the way that we approach it. And I might also say, now we still keep that law, but in a new way. And I think both are, are accurate, you know, just looking at it from slightly different angles. Um, 
So you might ask at this point, like, well, what about that, the theonomy debate, the debate between among Christians, you know, is, is the law still applicable and, and all of that? So the main thing about that I understand from theonomists, something I, I am highly sympathetic to, I, I think they're right about, is that theonomists generally are focused on the civil and judicial parts of the law mm-hmm. and how, how do we handle injustice? They've really um, helped me to have a firmer grasp on it. Oh, yeah. And challenged oh, my definitely. thinking and helped me so much, I think, to rely more on the grace of Jesus and understanding yeah. that I am free from the law and those ceremonial things, understanding how to separate those out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and so I I agree. Like, they, they've op- certainly listened to folks like that have, have, has really opened my eyes to things like, man, if we really had a system of justice um, in our country, the way that Israel was set up, um, it really would, it really would encourage and, and promote justice uh, as opposed to the things that we currently do. But really that, that debate so among Christians, some Christians say we should do that. Some Christians say we shouldn't. But the underlying theology, it's not that the underlying theology is different. It's that they neither one says we should just try to do it all in a sort of wooden literalism. They both say that things have changed. They just disagree about what. Um, so it's it's a difference of application more than a difference of of actual underlying theology. So with all that said, I want to give you kind of in in a, a quick rundown. What what do I actually believe? What do I think? As in the time I've had to study the Torah and and everything you know, going through all this stuff and, and dealing with the, the Hebrew roots movement, all that, what do I think the law actually, how does it actually apply to us? Um, so in a, in a brief sort of quick summary statement, uh, I would put it this way, that all people everywhere are obligated to obey what God commands them to do. Some of God's commands have always been universal. And so always will be. Some of God's commands were for a time or specific audience. These laws are subject to change according to God's plan. Scripture teaches which are which and how to tell the difference and in what way some laws have changed at various times, but most notably in Christ. So this, if, if you have to put it all in, in a couple sentences, uh, a couple, three, I don't know how many that is, but... But that's really my position. There's there's basically two kinds of law. Some has always been binding, universal, binding on every person um, from creation. Um, other laws are, you know, what you might call redemptive. They're they're part of God's plan of redemption. They applied at specific times to specific people. Sometimes for a very short time, maybe just for one person. Sometimes for maybe a longer time bigger group of people, all of Israel, that kind of thing. But, um, but there really are these two different kinds of law. And, uh, and we're going to see how scripture um, shows us uh, those, those different kinds of law. Now, um, I guess to, to make things a little more specific, I want to kind of go over in a, in a more, you know, point by point way, some 
some of the implications of this and, and kind of, again, this is about specifics. This, this whole series is going to be about specifics, but I wanted to give you sort of a summary statement. So you have an idea of what, you know, where I'm coming from. So the first thing in terms of specifics, um, again, this is just that first part before Moses, there were universal laws obligating all people. Um, from the text itself in Genesis, we don't have a, a uh, specific command against murder before Cain commits the first murder. But God does call it a sin before it happens. But he doesn't say what it is. He just says, beware, Cain, you know, sin is crouching at the door. You know, that, was that was always wrong. That was always wrong. So, so the at the beginning, and 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 there always have been been these these types of laws. Um, another example you get is you know regarding adultery. You know Joseph, when he is uh, when Potiphar's wife attempts to to sleep with him, he says, "I will not do this thing in sin against God." There. Up until that point in the text, we do not have thou shalt not commit adultery. Yeah, Moses came later. Yeah, Moses came much later. So, you know, again, now there's there's different explanations for this, and we're going to kind of, we're going to get into the specifics to show why those not all explanations are are equal. Um, you know, those in the Hebrew Roots movement will say yes, because God gave the whole Torah, it's eternal, and that's how they knew all this stuff. Um, but as we'll see, when we actually dig into the specifics in the Torah, that cannot be the case. Um, it simply cannot be that, that that's, uh, always been, but, but again, this is not to defend every point in, in high detail, but really just to get, kind of give you the specifics. So before Moses, before the law of Moses, what we have written down in the Torah, there were universal laws. We know that they did exist, and, and I've just given a couple examples, but there are tons of examples if you read through Genesis. Um, so there's, there's lots of examples. So uh, number two, a little more detailed here. Um, through Moses, God codified a law specifically for Israel that served four functions. To write down clear versions of the universal laws already in place, so of course we're not going to write. We're not going to. God didn't give a law that didn't include that stuff. It 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 was always in place, but now it's being written down in a a clear way um, to create distinctions between Israel and neighboring nations. So some of the laws that are given, and this will become very important later on. Uh, some of these laws are have the purpose of setting Israel apart from other nations. Um, to Create a redemptive, symbolic vocabulary to point to the future life and work of the Messiah and ultimate kingdom. So, this is, you know, to point to Christ. You know, that, that these laws are a type of Christ. They point to Christ. And, and, and that's, that's part of what's going on in the giving of these laws. Uh, one of, you know, the obvious ones that we know about are things like the sacrificial system. One of my uh, favorite examples is uh let's see if I've got it here it has to do with cities of refuge um so this is in actually in numbers 35 um 
want to show you this to you guys. This is pretty cool. So numbers 35 verse 27 um, and 28 it says, uh, so the cities of refuge, just the background, so I don't have to read the whole passage. If you accidentally kill somebody, so if, if you murder somebody, death penalty, sorry, no city of refuge for you. But if you accidentally kill somebody, you can flee to a city of refuge. These are the cities of the Levites where the, the family member who is going to avenge the blood of the, the person who died cannot come and, and kill you. Um, so uh, starting here in, in verse 7, it says, And the blood avenger, uh, oh, let's start in 26. But if the killer surely goes out to the territory of the city of his refuge to which he fled, and the blood avenger finds him outside of the territory of the city of his refuge, and the blood avenger kills the killer, he will not be guilty of blood, because he must live in the city of, ref of his refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the killer will return to the land of his property. These things will be as a decree of justice for you, for your generations and all your dwellings. So, not to get into all the bits there, but... So much. Yeah. There's so much. But the cities of refuge are the cities of the Levites. So, if you accidentally kill somebody... Mm-hmm. The law says, the, the law basically says your life, it's, it's sort of half forfeit. It, it's not that you're going to get the death penalty for sure. You're, you're not guilty of, of murder. But even if it was an accident, the law understands that the, that the family, yeah, the, the close family member of the person who died is, is not in a, a place of, of really just, oh, well, it was just an accident. If they want, and, and the law allows it, if they want to kill you for killing their family member, they can. And each of us on this earth feels in the deepest of your gut that is true, if you've ever mm -hmm. been through anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but but the law allows this this way of escape. And how do you escape? You go to... The cities of the Levites, the cities of the priests. So, you know, and and uh, and then you're in the cities of the priest until the death of the high priest sets you free from being basically, you know, confined to that city, and you can go back to your inheritance. Well, what picture is this painting for us? It's saying, you know, if we oh, find no. ourselves guilty in in some sense even if it's unintentional the death of the high we yeah we run to us. we run to our priest you know we run to the priest we run oh, to man. jesus and and the death of jesus is what sets us free um gets and, me every time yeah it's it's powerful whoa god so, is genius yeah i mean this stuff is all over it's it's amazing yeah Oh um, man, that's good news for me. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um so so that's that's what I'm 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 kind of getting at with this this idea, oops, um of that you know, it creates this symbolic vocabulary. So when stuff happens, you know, at the time of Jesus, it's it's uh recognized. 
Um, all right. And then the fourth point here under number two, the per- fourth purpose of the law that I see is to reveal to Israel their inability to keep the law and be righteous by works. Um, and we see this this shown in the New Testament especially, but the, the law is given, people keep failing over and over and over to, to keep that law. Um, and, and Israel keeps getting judged, they, they come back, they, they, they keep getting keep failing and over and over to to do this um number three uh, when jesus came in his earthly ministry he kept the righteous requirements of the law perfectly though he challenged certain beliefs about the law held by his contemporaries and you know so i there's some debate over you know just you know what jesus did regarding the sabbath whether he you know did he quote break the Sabbath? Um, he certainly he pushed against what people were believing. But what's interesting about the Sabbath is that Jesus never, unlike the issue with the the Corban rule and you know giving all of your money to to God so it doesn't go to your mother and father that kind of thing. At that time, Jesus says, "You you know you and your your man made traditions." You nullify the, the word of God by your traditions. Jesus actually never says anything like that regarding the Sabbath. And this is something that, that is often not understood. Every, a lot of times when you see these, by all sorts of different theological perspectives, when Jesus is challenged regarding the Sabbath, if you hear a sermon on it, you almost always hear, oh yeah, Jesus you know, was challenging these traditions of men that they had built around the Sabbath. But I don't find that, actually. If you look at the scriptures themselves, Jesus asks questions regarding the Sabbath and regarding what they believe, but he he doesn't specifically tell them, you know, you you believe some man-made tradition. And in in John, there's there's a passage where uh, they accuse him of working and he says, you know, you know, the father never stops working and I do what the father's doing. You know, the father's working, therefore I am working, is what Jesus says on the Sabbath. Um now there's lots of interesting ways you could try to to discuss that. My point is he did challenge certain beliefs about the law held by his contemporaries. And but there's no question he kept, you know, he was without sin. And so when we we talk about him keeping the law, he he certainly did, um, such that that he was without sin. Um then uh, number four, uh, in his teaching, this is Jesus, uh, Jesus always affirmed the law in general while only affirming specific laws that had been universal laws. So what, what is this saying? So when Jesus is being general and talking about the law generally, he says, you know, he, he he affirms it. He he never you never hear him say things like, you know, I'm doing away with the whole law or you know, those types of comments. You know, he says I came to fulfill the law, but he you know, that's a that has some nuance to it and and we'll likely get into that stuff in in a later episode. But my point here in this in this specific point is to say when he speaks of the law generally, he's affirming. But when it comes to specifics, when it comes to specific commands, Jesus 
does not, he affirms only those laws that we could consider universal that, that were around before Moses um, in, in some way or another, or that, that we see as, and his, his affirmations help us see those as, as definitely, you know, still in, in effect today in, in pretty much the same way since he I feel like it. it's awesome. Like when I finally realized this and the, the laws that are affirmed in the New Testament are basically all the ones that you would really struggle like, okay, what about this? What about this? And they're all the like really important things you know to love your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a fa- you know, there's a, a great passage that kind of illustrates this. Um, when, when Jesus is met by the rich young man in Matthew 19, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's this kind of thing going on. So um, in Matthew 19, starting in verse 16, uh, the, the rich young man here, it says, Behold, someone came up to him and said, Teacher, what good thing must I do? so that I will have eternal life. And he said to him, why are you asking me about what is good? There is one who is good, but if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, do not commit murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have observed, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give the proceeds to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. So what does Jesus specifically mention? Things that we would consider universally no matter what laws. culture you are in, what gender, what ethnicity, your yeah. height, yeah. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> this would make sense. Right, exactly. So um what does Jesus not say? Keep the Sabbath day. Jesus doesn't say Make sure you offer your sacrifice or make sure you observe the feasts. Don't go anywhere when you're on your period. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. He doesn't say any of that. Um, he talks about really the, these universal moral laws. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is consistent throughout the Gospels. What does Jesus affirm and what does he not affirm? Now, again, he doesn't come out and say, don't do these other things. But he, he said he never specifically reaffirms certain laws Um, when that when torah observers don't get this they miss out on such an amazing picture of the relief Mm. that is found the shackles being taken off of you when jesus washes your sins away and that picture of like free from the law is a picture it's just it's a picture yeah. Of our freedom from sin. Like, oh my gosh, that was such a burden. It was such a burden. And when I'm finally freed from that, thank you, Jesus. And they're just missing that picture. Not to say that all of them are unsaved, but what a pity that they don't get that really. Mm, right. Yeah. It's uh it's really powerful when you when you actually dig into this stuff. Um uh, so number five, Jesus never specifically reaffirmed any law. So this corollary, we basically made this point. He never specifically reaffirmed any law that has had as its main purpose the distinction of Israel from her neighbors. So 
these these this is going to be as we're going to see one of the main ways that the Torah itself distributes these laws and, and makes this distinction is that when it talks about things like the Sabbath, like the dietary laws, like the feasts, it's it's always in this context of because you're special, Israel, because you know this is a distinction for you. And um, that's not so much the case when it's like all the other the sort of universal moral laws. Number six says, instead, Jesus taught the ability to be righteous under the law based solely on the universal laws it contained, um, in part by, sorry, sorry, I don't know sure what I said. Jesus taught the inability to be righteous. I don't know if I said ability. He taught the inability to be righteous under the law based solely on the universal laws it contained, in part by teaching the underlying moral principle those laws pointed to, which is harder to maintain perfectly as they concern the activities of the heart and mind, not just external actions. So when Jesus affirms laws, it often, you know, we see this in the Sermon on the Mount, but he, he doesn't just affirm the law and say, this is a good law. He, sa- he goes underneath that and says, what is the underlying moral principle here? This should be a principle in your heart and mind. And, you know, that's harder to do perfectly than just doing, keeping that law on the surface. It is a lot harder to to not lust than it is to not commit adultery, oh, yeah. you know, by actually and stepping out in your spouse. It takes you right back to that city of refuge analogy because mm. even when you try to follow the law perfectly and you don't even have murder in your heart, accidents, accidents. are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And God for, God for himself Mm-hmm. That we can run to him because we cannot do all of these. Right, right. Um, number seven, both Jesus and the apostles taught that the fulfillment of the law in him meant a change in all laws that served the purpose of distinction for the nation of Israel, as well as for the symbolic laws of cleanness and temporal sacrifices. The underlying principles behind those these laws still hold true, but in Christ, our keeping them looks different. So again, this is kind of saying things a couple different ways. You could look at it as a change in the law. You could look at it as a change in how we keep that law, um, what that looks like. Um, you know, I would say I keep the Sabbath by resting in Christ. I rest in Christ by having faith in Christ. Um, that's so. There's a, there's still a keeping of that law, but it it looks different now. Um, number eight, uh, repentance and belief in the gospel are commands. And this is something it, that it's important to kind of flesh out. So it says, uh, repentance and belief in the gospel are commands. Today, we are just as much obligated to obey God as Adam, Noah, Abraham, and Moses. We obey the universal commands just as they did. Those have never changed. And the redemptive commands given to Moses, we obey by means of obeying the command to repent and believe the gospel. This command is not something we can obey without the work of the Holy Spirit, making us born from above and is secured by the work of God, which is why this obedience, faith itself, is not a work. So, you know, we we have faith. You know, we talk about, you know, it is 
We are saved by faith, not works. Well, we are also, it's the Bible says, God commands everyone everywhere to repent and to believe the gospel. That's a command. Um, so is obedience to that command a work? Well, it's not a work because it's the work of the Holy Spirit mm. that that makes you able to to keep that command. Thank you, because that's really... <laughs> yeah, that's a that's one that's caused whole comment sections on Facebook to go down to Hades. Right, right, and that's and rough. if you keep that command, that is, if you have faith that you know this is a gift of God, um, then that enables you to go and obey the rest of what God actually does command you to do, and there are, you know. The this one of the best uh, passages for this, of course, is is Ephesians two, um, Ephesians two eight nine and ten. Well, eight and nine for this point, but uh, I'll just well I'll show you what I mean. Um, um if we uh, we go to the the last point here, um. Number nine uh, says true faith because it comes from a change made by God, as as the previous state one said. Sorry, it says it's numbered one there, but it's really number nine. <laughs> um, it always results in a heart after God's heart, and so results in good works. A Christian truly possessing saving faith will always want to obey God, and so the works are evidence of true and living faith. The works do not add anything to the righteousness that comes by faith. But the good works prove the faith is alive. A professed faith that does not result in such works is not real and cannot save. Um, we see this in in one place among many here in, in Ephesians two, you know, two eight and, and nine shows us the, the complete separateness that faith is from works because it's a gift. It says, For by grace you are saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is a gift of of God, it is not from works, so that no one can boast. So it's not anything you did. The grace that saved you through faith, all of that is not from you, it's from God. So no one can boast, it's not a work. But then it goes right on to say, for we are his creation, a lot of translations say workmanship, that is what God made, what God worked, you know, in us, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared us beforehand so that we may walk in them. And, and he prepared them. Yeah. And we can go to, to James and, and all these other great passages that talk, you know, first John that talk about how, if you really are in Christ, you're going to, your heart is going to want to obey God. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's why a person who believes, but you know, says they believe, but they won't repent of their sin and they they continue to live a, an entire lifestyle of sin they just say yeah you know i i said i believed in god but you know i'm just going to go out and no i don't even feel bad for what i do you know that kind of stuff like there's, there's great reason to believe yeah. that person is not saved shall we go on um, sinning by no means by no means um the the works don't add anything they don't make a person saved because you know it also says in romans but you know, to the one who does not work but who believes, his faith is counted as righteousness. And that isn't to say 
that there's no works attached or that there would not be any works. But mm-hmm. Paul is making the hard distinction to say belief, you know, faith, which is a gift from God, is the main, is the is the way we enter into salvation. Mm-hmm. The works come as a necessary result of that. And let's not miscommunicate like we really don't know a person's heart. This is so right. complicated. Right. Like there have been times in my own life where I love the Lord with all my heart, but I was struggling. And mm-hmm. I think that's a key. I was struggling. <laughs> that word right there. You know, <laughs> that you even care to struggle mm-hmm. and fight against sin. But we just need to be sharing the gospel with ourselves and with others because you really just don't know. Test your faith. You know, if you don't even care about obeying the law of Christ, I would ask yourself, really have the gospel. Right. Do you really even actually believe? Because if if you really believed in Christ, you would want to do what what he says. Um, So, you know, this is all to say, you know, that there's not the difference between my position and and say that of, of the person in the Hebrew Roots Movement or Torah Observant Movement is not one despite their many, many, many attempts to say it is, between those who want to obey God and, the, and, and those who don't. It's, it's between those who see the law one way and those who see the law another way. And this series is, is going to set out to show that when we really understand the whole Bible, when we, when we come to the Bible and we let it um, speak on its own terms, define its own parameters, and we don't force a certain belief on it, the conclusion we come to is that that we are not, we, we don't approach the law as, as biblical Christians today. We do not approach the law the same way the ancient Israelites did, and that is by design. Um. But we oh my still, goodness, I could get so political about that statement right now. <laughs> but we do approach it by, you know, by God's, the way, the way God has, has uh, ordained for that to be so. So um, with, uh, with that, I want to jump in. I know we, I don't know if we mentioned it at the beginning. I did. Nikki did. Um, you guys send me questions. Yes. If you have any questions, um, this is definitely a series for... Lots of questions, I hope, because um, because this is you know this isn't just me talking about how how somebody's wrong, you know, which I do a lot of, and I I make zero apologies for. Um, this is about you know presenting what I what I do think is the right way of looking at the law, and to be um, fair, I have I think we all so many wonderful theologians and apologists. That have different ways that mm-hmm. they grapple with this and they would fall yeah. in different categories. This is not a salvific issue, but mm-hmm. it is an important one. Yeah, definitely. And it is one that, you know, I have I have to thank my Torah observant friends for because they really have made me think through this. Think mm-hmm. this through. Yeah. Yeah. This so, through think. Say it all the ways. Yeah. So, um, that is what I have for you today. I have today, a question. But you do have it's a question. It's just in. Okay. From the man himself, one of the best question askers, 
that is in our community of saints here. Dustin Neely asks, can the Torah heal the blind, cast out demons, or raise the dead? Um, the sexy question. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Uh, no. That's, that's a big, big no. Jesus right is greater than the Torah. Yeah. Wow. Jesus isn't the Torah. <laughs> I've done a video on that. But Oh, but Dustin yeah. had a comment. Also, Logos is greater than Torah. Greater than Torah. That's go. right. And it's true. I mean, and the, 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 you, you can even look at it if you look at the, the, uh, the blessings and curses in Deuteronomy. Um, there's lots of stuff in there about, you know, preserving your life if you, um, if you keep the Torah and not having your enemies follow you and, and not having famines and those kind of things. But no, not raising the dead. Um, not casting out demons, uh, none of that stuff. Not you know, yeah, not healing the blind. It doesn't doesn't do any of those things. Um, it can make you feel pretty dang isolated and depressed. You guys know? Can I share? I practiced. I did mm -hmm. my darndest mm -hmm. to practice the Levitical health code. I had a baby this last year. I stayed in um, for eighty days postpartum. Mm -hmm. You know, and I did this for my health. You know, I had some health challenges and I thought, you know what? Resting might be the best bet for my family. And I, I it was kind of a double thing. Like I want to relate to these Torah observers that I am trying to reach. And, you know, I'm sure it was good for my body, but the shackles of just making it through that, not to mention right when I got off of that COVID hit. So I've been like social distancing. Ooh, I hate that phrase, that groupthink phrase. Yuck. But, you know, I have basically been isolated for how long now? Since uh, September of last year or even before that because I, I was on bed rest. And so, you know, when you follow the law to the T with no nuance, no like excuses like, well, you know, she had a baby, she's lonely, maybe she'd like to get out a little bit more. When you follow it to the T, oh my gosh, she was on bed rest, then she had a baby, and then the COVID hit, maybe she should get out a little bit. You know, it can be very isolating, and uh, we have seen that among the women that we have helped. You know, some of them yeah. have been to the point of depression and even wanting to take their own life because they just can't do it it's just so burdensome yeah and that's again as i as i said before that's one of the purposes of the law is is to ref show back to us that we don't have the ability to measure up God's standard. That was a great question, Dustin. And then Marsha. Hey, Marsha, by the way, Jesus is not the Torah. Sigh. Amen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so anyway, um, I think, uh, if, unless we have any other questions, support we get would go toward i'm thinking a computer that doesn't crash at yeah, the beginning be nice. 
Uh, but um, regardless, these these videos, these podcasts are here for you guys free of charge. Don't feel obligated or anything like that. If you'd like to find me, this this comment is more for the ladies. Um, I believe Drew will be linking my, I have two YouTube channels myself. One is basically homemaking, kind of that Titus 2 theme of just helping other women, really helping each other, because who am I, to love our families. <clears throat> and then I kind of have uh, a nerdy theology channel where I just put all the content that does not fit onto my homemaking channel. Yep. Yeah. And you can check all that out. A lot of those links are in the description. If if any of them is missing, follow one, you'll you'll find the others. But uh, oh yeah, looks like we we had crashed there for a second and came back. So uh, some issues tonight. But uh, anyway, um, I will I'll check it out. And we'll make sure that the what goes up on YouTube looks good. And if I have to, I'll maybe put up what we recorded locally. We'll see. It's been a crazy night. But it's been great being with you guys, and I look forward to next week. I don't know for sure if we will cover this topic again or if we will go on to something else uh, for the week. We'll mm. just kind of see where things take us. There is a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff happening. So thanks for being here. See you next week, we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Beginning of Wisdom podcast. You can follow Andrew Schumacher and the ministry at beginningwisdom.org, where you can find links to the YouTube channel and follow on social media. Sign up for email alerts to never miss new content. Please like, share, and rate the episode if it has blessed you. God bless and always be ready.